yes. Easter Sunday. Come on. Come on, it's good. It's good news to see new life. You know, the reason the church isn't dead is because its head is still alive. Jesus is alive. He's with us today. He's celebrating in all of his fullness and glory and might. He's gathered amongst his people and he loves to dwell with us. We get the opportunity to bring praise and worship and adoration before our great king this morning. He's our saviour. He's the risen one. He's the one that's overcome the grave. He's the one that, that no longer is ever going to die. So we get to live an eternal life with him because he has been victorious. Jesus is who this is all about. And church, we haven't done this together like this for a few years. So to be in a room full of people that love Jesus, and while we've been having to do stuff online, apart, we know that people are still watching and connecting there, but to be in a room full of other people who love Jesus, and Jesus has kept us going for these last few years, and we're still enduring and waiting for his return, this is a great celebration of great joy. And you're allowed to let your faces show it. You're allowed to let your hands show it. I'm so like, I'm so aware that in so many circumstances, situations, we don't experience the fullness of joy because sometimes we don't experience the fullness of the sadness of life as well. But when you realise we were created to be emotional beings, we are meant to have moments of immense sorrow and sadness when loss hits us and when life takes us to the final parts, we say, where else are we going to go? When our best friends die alongside us, that is meant to hurt because we're created in the image of God and we feel we're emotional beings. But when we discover goodness and joy and hope, and when we know the story of resurrection life, we're meant to experience to its absolute fullness as well. And it's meant to cause us to celebrate and clap and cheer and smile and rejoice because Jesus is alive. You know, I've got, um, I've got the best Sunday ever because my team's playing in the semi-final of the FA Cup coming up soon. And I'm, I'm running from here. I'm running from here. Literally, me and Finn are going up on the train. We're driving to London to cheer on the mighty Crystal Palace up at London. And all of, all of my friends and family have gone for a warm-up at Covent Garden. And I said, I don't need a warm-up with drinks. I'm warming up at church. Like, I'm literally, I'm already, my, my throat's already battered. And actually, even if Palace don't score a single goal while we're there, I've already been able to celebrate, you know, five new lives of people coming to Jesus and two, four more on Friday evening. So I feel like I'm a winner anyway. You know, I'm kind of, I'm preparing myself for whatever else goes on. But um, I feel like I'm a winner. I said to Andy as well, to be honest, this might be the shortest preach in the world so I can make sure I get a train. I might just say, spoiler alert, he's alive. You know, the tomb's empty. Let's go. Let's party. But, um, but let's, let's read some of God's word as well together. I just want to say a couple of things. Jürgen so helpfully last week, my friend, you said a phrase last week which has just struck me. All week I've been reflecting on it and thinking about it. And when I was reading Luke's gospel, it just drew me towards it again today. It's that we're only one step away. Jesus has made it so that we're only one step away. Every single one of us was only ever one step away from new life, from hope, from resurrection, from forgiveness of sins. Jesus did that. He made it so that we're only one step away. And that one step is repentance and faith. It's turning around. It's putting your hope into his basket, saying that he's the one that you trust. It's banking everything on the fact that if Jesus died and rose again, I trust that he too is going to raise me to a glorious new life. It's all in on Jesus. 
That's the one step that it takes. And actually, this is a room full of people, many of them, that have made that step. They've crossed that line of faith. At some point in their life, whether it's very recently or a number of years ago, this is a room full of people that at some point, their heart, the Spirit of God, drew them to a place of saying, I turn around and I put my hope in him. I repent. I say sorry. And I trust that he is my great saviour. And what we've found is that he's shown his great love for us. Day after day, he's never given up on us. He stands by us and he's welcomed us in. And I, I, I praise God that I'm different from who I was when I turned around and crossed that line of faith. I praise God that actually he has then gone on changing me from one degree of glory to the next. I praise God that I wasn't who I hoped I would be then, but that God, by his great kindness and mercy, I've clung on to Jesus in every single walk of life, everything that I've been through. From that day, I've clung on to Jesus and he's changing and transforming me. And so I hope that one day, you know, one day when I stand before him, he just says, Ollie, well done, good and faithful servant. With you, I'm so well pleased. You lived your life for me. You put your hope in me and I welcome you for all eternity. That's the good news of the gospel. So if you're not there yet, you're only one step away. There's no other hoops. There's no other religious acts that we need to jump through in order to come to Jesus. It's as simple as repentance and faith in him as the one and only saviour. You see, every act of baptism like this is a pledge of allegiance to Jesus. That's what it's doing. It's pledging their allegiance to Jesus and saying, I'm his and he is mine and I trust in him. Every church like this is like a little outpost It's like we're a little enclave in enemy territory in the world that we still live in. We're the people of God. And the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. And the kingdom of God is still at work in this world today as it ever was when Jesus rose again 2,000 years ago. And he loves to work in and through temples of the living gods. Temples, us, his dwelling place. God works through his people. So every church that clings on in there and sticks with it, and every church this morning has got its doors open and he's opening the word of God and proclaiming that Jesus Christ is alive is another little gang, a little camp that's staking out and saying, we're the people of God. We're about a great work and Jesus is with us and he knows us and he loves us and he welcomes us. And if you're part of this church, you're part of this family in that. This is the group that we're part of and we're going to keep proclaiming Jesus until he comes back. We're not going to give up on it. We might change, things might change. We might not have guitars in the future. We might, I don't know, we might have VR headsets for baptism, but hopefully not. No, sorry if anyone says that. I don't know. Whatever the, whatever the ways that it works for baptism, whatever the way that we do things, but in all of it, we're going to hold it on to Jesus. We're saying that we're his. We stand by him. We trust in him. We don't run away. We put our hope and our faith in him and him alone. You see, Jesus has turned the light on. That's what he did. When he came into the world, he turns the lights on. And he said, look, by me and through me, all things are seen. You will see the kingdom at work. And the kingdom of work at work is now. I am not someone waiting for the bus. I'm on it. I'm not waiting for the kingdom of God to turn up. I'm not waiting for Jesus to do something. I'm on that bus. I'm riding it now. I've made that step. I've bought the ticket and I'm on. And I'm enjoying it for all of its goodness and its grace now. And I just say to you again, don't be people that wait. When we read this bit from Luke's gospel now, you Jesus doesn't mind people who arrive and they inquire and they search and they look. Actually, even in this account, let me read you a few things that happens when we're there. Jesus is able to deal with all of these different obstacles that people have to faith. 
but he gets them on the bus. They have obstacles of evidence. They have obstacles of wanting to check an empty tomb for himself because they don't trust someone else's testimony. They have obstacles of finding strips of linen cloth laying on the floor. They want to see that Jesus is revealed throughout the scriptures. They want to know him through the sacraments, through the breaking of bread and the, and the sharing of a cup. They want to know him through the breaking of a loaf and the sacrifice. They want to know for themselves when Jesus appears. They want to see him eating fish. They want to know, are you not just a ghost? Are you really real? They want to touch and see like Thomas. They want to taste and try. They want to open their minds and they want to understand this new information for themselves. That doesn't put Jesus off. If you're an inquirer of faith, that does not put Jesus off because you're inquisitive. But in all of it, he doesn't just want you to be an inquirer of faith. Someone who, who just watches from the sides and says, oh, I wonder if the bus is ever coming. He wants to get you on the bus. He wants to get you over the line of faith. He wants to draw you to himself. He wants you to experience and receive eternal life today. It might be true for you. You might be sitting there and it's already in your heart. You might have heard testimony of others. You might have been inquiring for yourself already, but you might be saying, I need to cross the line of faith together today. And as we heard, all it takes, repentance, turn around, turn around, put your hope in him. So can we get up Luke 24 for me? Luke's on words, so there we are. Well done, Luke, for Luke 24. We're going to read this together, and we're just going to stop in a few different bits and places. And this is the resurrection account. This is the resurrection account of what happens to Jesus three days after he's been crucified. And this is what we still hold to today, and we read. This is God's word to us. So, on the first day of the week, on the first day of the week, don't ever view this as the last day of the week. This is the first day. This is the beginning. This is the very start. Resurrection life. The very first day. The first day that we walk into. Resurrection life. Very early in the morning. At the very start. At the very first day of the week. They came to the tomb. They arrived. They looked, they brought spices that they had prepared. And what did they find? They found that the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. The seal, that that was holding Christ in, that that covered him from the world, had been rolled away. And what did they do? They didn't watch, they went in. They crossed the line of faith. They went into an empty tomb. Not knowing what they were going to find, but they went in. They went in, but they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and they bowed down to the grounds and they said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the men. He is not here. Where do you find Jesus? You don't find him in the grave. He's not here. But he has risen. He's alive. Can you, let's just consider that. Imagine you're a woman at the tomb. You've gone to dress a body 
with spices and prepare it to preserve it because it's dead. Your saviour is gone. But you want to honour the past. And so you go and you find it empty and in your shock and fear, two dazzling men stood by them in dazzling clothes and say to him, he's not here, he has risen. What would that do in your heart at that moment? That joy, that to me, that's the 89th minute winner, you know, Eze, back post. I'm cheering. He's alive. He's risen. Can it be true? It can't be, can it? It is. He's not here. And they say, remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee. And he said, it is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men. It's necessary that he be crucified and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words. You again, you might be at that line of faith and all of a sudden your memories might start flooding back to you. You might remember the words of others that have spoken in the past. You might remember the words of, of scripture that you've read before. You might just remember things or people or individuals that have spoke to you. And those memories bring back all of that joy that exactly what Jesus said would happen did because he's in control. None of this took him by surprise. Jesus knew what he was about. Then returning from the tomb. Again, what did they do? They didn't watch. They returned from the tomb and they reported all these things to the 11 and to all the rest. So these men, these apostles that have been waiting, these disciples of Jesus, they hadn't gone to the tomb. They were waiting. They were probably sobbing. They were probably fearful for their lives. They didn't know what the future would hold to them. But the women return and the women report to them all these things and to all the rest that were there. And Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James and the other women with them were telling the apostles these things. I bet they were accounting it. We went to the tomb. It was empty. No one was there. It was just linen clothes down on the floor. And these two men said to me, why are you looking for him here? He's not here. He's alive. And they're, trying to, they're, they're probably shouting over each other. And they're probably fighting for who's going to say the next bit. Because they can't help but erupt and bubble out with praise and proclamation of the fact that Jesus is alive. That the gospel is true. That everything he reported, that they once thought, can it really happen? Really has happened. Come on, we, we again, that's, that should bubble out of us as people. We should be those that are quick to report these things to all that will be willing to listen. You know, be, be an evangelist. Be an evangelist for Jesus. Tell them. Tell the world that you live in. Go out today and whatever shop you find yourself in, tell the person there, he's alive, you know. They'll think you're a nutter, but don't worry, he's alive. It's good news. It's the greatest day that has changed every other day since we live in light of the good news of the gospel and we get to report it to anyone that will listen. Anyone that will listen, we'll tell them Jesus is alive. He's not in the tomb anymore. But these words, they seem like nonsense. That's okay. People might say to you, nonsense, rubbish, not interested. And they didn't believe the women. They probably won't believe you either. But Peter, however, he got up and he ran to the tomb. To many, it will be nonsense. To many, they won't believe you. But to some, they'll run. To some, they'll search. To some, they'll see if you found it at an empty tomb, I'm going there too. If you found it on an alpha course, I'm getting on an alpha course. 
If you found it in the scripture, I'm opening the scripture. Don't worry about who runs. Just report it. Just tell him that he's alive. Tell him that he's living. Tell him that he's not found amongst the dead. And let's see who runs to the tomb. Let's see who searches for themselves. Let's see who tries to find goodness for their own life. See, Peter, however, he got up, he ran to the tomb. And when he stooped to look in, he too saw only the linen cloths. And he went away amazed at what had happened. The story continues. Now that same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, it's okay to argue, it's okay to discuss, it's okay to get passionate about things. While they were discussing and arguing everything that had taken place, Jesus himself came near and he began to walk along with them. Isn't that a beautiful part of a story? Jesus comes near. When you go close to him, he comes near. Jesus loves to draw near to us. He's not a distant God watching. He draws near to his people. But they were prevented from recognising him. And then he asked them, what is this dispute that you are having with each other as you are walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. I'd read over that a number of times. And then just a little commentary I was reading this week, I was thinking, why were they so discouraged? They were discouraged because they thought everyone was talking about Jesus. And then they bump into this person on the road and he's not in, he doesn't know. How discouraging can it be on Easter Sunday? You think, everyone's talking about Easter, aren't they? You bump, so, I, don't, I don't know. I don't care. I don't know. What, what would, you, would you do this morning? You went to church this morning. What's that about? Why'd you go to church? What's the, what? Eggs? I thought it was about eggs and bunnies. I thought, I, I thought it was about, you know, having some lamb this afternoon. I don't know. I thought it was that. What were you talking about? Easter? I don't, I don't get it. Christianity and Easter. There's not a connection there, is there? Surely you will be discouraged. And it's okay to be discouraged. They were discouraged. They thought that the very centre of what they passionately cared about, they were arguing and disputing all about Jesus. And this other guy they bumped into was not interested. You will bump into people that are not interested. They don't know. They're not looking. But tell them anyway. <laughs> tell them anyway. Tell him anyway the good news. And so they continue to talk. And the one named Cleopas answered him. He didn't just say, oh, he's not interested. Right, well, just, let's talk about something else then instead. And they answered him. Are you the only visitor? You're the only one in the whole of Jerusalem who doesn't know about these things that happened there in these days? What things, he asked them, he's winding them up. Jesus is a wind-up merchant. <laughs> I love him. He's like that. What, what, what things? I don't, I don't know. He asked him. He must have been giggling to himself. What, I don't know. <laughs> And so they said to him, you know, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they didn't see him. They're, they're like, they're, now all of a sudden, you're interested. Okay, we'll tell you a little bit. And he said to them, how foolish are you? How slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Now, I'm surprised one of them didn't lump him at that point. And, you know, 
He's not interested. Now he's calling them fools because they're slow to believe what the prophets have said. And he said, wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them for them, the things concerning himself and all of the scriptures. Oh man, what a joy it would have been to have just done a Bible study with Jesus. That's what he did. He did a Bible study. Do Bible studies with friends about Jesus. Do it. It's the greatest joy to do Bible studies together. It's not just for kids, you know. A Bible study. It's beautiful because you find Jesus. And they came near to the village where they were going and he gave the impression that he was going further. But they urged him, please stay with us because it's almost evening and now the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them, you see? People will start wanting. You meet Jesus and you want more of him. You want to know more of him. There'll be many and you might think that in your own heart. Oh, please, Lord, can I just stay a bit longer? Please, Lord, would you stay with me? Because he's good. So he went in and he stayed with them. And it was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them. And it was then that their eyes were opened. It was at that moment, that moment of remembrance. How do we remember Jesus? We, you know, we, don't very, we very rarely have crosses up here. We don't, we don't have iconography and, and pictures of Jesus. We don't. We do it for a meal. Have Bible studies with friends and break bread with them and share communion regularly because as you do, you remember the Lord until he returns. And that's where you'll see him. You'll see him in the sacraments. You'll see him in those moments of common grace that we receive that we get to receive the goodness of God for ourselves. And they recognised him and he disappeared from their sight. And they said to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road and he was explaining the scriptures to us? That very hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. What did they do? They found the 11 and those that gathered with them who said, the Lord has truly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then they began to describe what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. And as they were saying these things, he himself stood in their midst. Oh, Jesus, you're here today. You're with us now. Thank you, you're alive. We're gathered today remembering you again, thanking you, our hearts burning in our chests as we consider your goodness and you're here. Jesus, thank you. And he himself, he said to them, peace to you. Man, if you've ever heard those words from Jesus, they are the most beautiful words you could ever hear. In a world full of sadness and suffering and trials and tribulations and arguments and war, Jesus says, peace to you. The Son of God, the one who created it from the very beginning, says, peace to you. And they were startled and they were terrified. And they thought they were seeing a ghost. And then he says, why are you troubled, he asked them. And why did doubts arise in your hearts? Because you rose from the dead, that's probably why I'm troubled. Don't normally bump into resurrected people. Look at my hands. See, Jesus doesn't mind inquisitive people. He says, come and look at my hands. That is myself. Touch me. See. Don't worry about testing out Jesus. He's big enough to deal with your inquiry. He doesn't mind you testing this for yourself. Don't just listen to people opening God's word. Open it yourself. Don't just trust someone else's testimony. Pray yourself. 
Don't just believe someone else's baptism and faith. Put your faith and hope in Jesus yourself. Because he's okay with that. He's okay for you to test him. Promise you he's big enough to deal with it. You won't be the first. And he said, touch me and see, because a ghost, it doesn't have flesh and bones, as you can see that I have. And having said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they were still amazed and in belief because of their joy, he asked them, and again, man, Jesus is funny. You got anything to eat? (laughs) And they gave him a bit of broiled fish. And in two ways, it's just, he's hungry, but he's also saying, look, I'm not, I'm not a ghost, I can eat. This isn't falling through my tummy like Casper the ghost and just leaving a pile on the floor. Look, I'm eating this fish like you. I'm probably going to get bones that I've got to pick out my mouth. And he gave, they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and he ate it in their presence. He's happy to prove himself to you in your presence. He's happy to prove himself. He's proven himself today. And he told them, these are my words that I've spoken to you while I was with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, it must all be fulfilled. And what did he do? He opened their minds and they understood the scriptures. He also said to them, this is what is written. The The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead the third day. And repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. That's what we're doing still. We are proclaiming repentance for forgiveness of sins to all nations. It began in Jerusalem and it's ended up further than Eastbourne. And we're still proclaiming it today. Repentance for forgiveness of sins and we're going to proclaim it to every nation, tribe and tongue because you are witnesses of these things. You're a witness. And look, what am I doing? I'm not holding you back. I'm sending you. Go. Get out of here. Get lost. You've had enough time with me now. Now go and tell people. You're my witnesses and look, I'm sending you what my Father has promised As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. We are empowered people. If we're spirit-filled, believers of Jesus, we're clothed with power. The the same power that rose Christ from the grave is now at work in us. So when someone says, you seem like really positive people, it's because the power of God's working in and through us. It's because we've been changed by him and we've been clothed with power on on high. And in a few weeks' time, we're going to start reading Luke part two, Acts. Luke writes two books in the Bible, Luke's Gospel and Acts is the next part and we're going to do that for the next few months and we're going to read what was it like to be an empowered, spirit-filled believer of Jesus? How did they live their lives? What did they do? What did daily life look like? What did worship look like for them? And we're going to see and we're going to copy and we're going to imitate. Ben said it so well. We're going to be authentic to God's word and we're going to, we're going to imitate Christ followers of Jesus as they always have been and we're still going to be doing it today. And then he led them out to the vicinity of Bethany and he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was carried up into heaven. And after worshipping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and they were continually in the temple praising God. That's God's word. Let's stand. Can we stand together? Um, can we sing? Come on, Rich. Come on, Sal, we've got this. You're only one step away. Praise Jesus for that one step.
praise Jesus that he has made a way. He has made a way for forgiveness of sins. He's made a way for eternal life. He's made a way that we get to live in the goodness of all that he has done today. Lord, I pray that you would draw people today to yourself. I pray that individuals would step over a line of faith today and put their trust and hope in you and you alone. I pray that today that people would not be waiting for the bus of eternal life, but they would get on the bus today and live in the goodness of eternal life today. I pray that today that people would know you. I pray that today people would find a sense of joy and burning of their hearts as they discover that this great story is true. This great story is real. He's made it. He's alive. He's living and he's at work. And that we as the people of God will continually gather at the temple. We are now the temple at temple of the living God. The people with living stones joined together in worship and union with each other, continually praising and worshiping worshiping you. Lord, I thank you that we can imagine together today the future that God has promised. I thank you that the hope that we find in you can mean that we can imitate what it looks like to live in the future today. I get to, let, get to live in the good of eternal resurrection life today. Jesus, I follow you. I love you, Lord. I rejoice in your goodness. And I thank you that you are alive. And the people of God together say, Amen. 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 Let's sing.